Another edition of the Behind the You podcast. I guess we could say we're joined by a former player, but I got to call him Coach Hankerson now. Yes, sir. Leonard Hankerson, 49ers wide receiver coach, joins us on the podcast. Coach, how you doing? I'm doing well, man. I'm doing well. How about yourself? I'm doing good. So just I always like to pry a little bit where I can on social media and whatever I can dig up some dirt. And I'm thinking even though you're currently in the NFL as a receiver coach, there might be a, a future caddy in your calling down the road. Oh, that, that is. <laughs> that is probably the most important coaching, you know, I can do right there, man. Just just being able to get out there on the course with my daughter, man. She's seven years old, man, and she's a competitor. You know, she wants to win at everything she does. And just having her on a golf course and coaching her, you know, and just being able to get out of the house, you know, that's an opportunity for myself, you know, to, to tell my wife, hey, sweetheart, I got to go take my daughter to practice. You know, I got to go take it to the range, you know, and, and and she's been hitting around pretty good, man. Do you play at all? I play. I've been playing since 2011, you know, off and on because of the playing days and then the coaching, getting into coaching, man. It, it That's the worst thing you can do for your golf game is coaching, <laughs> you know, because guess what? You got to you got to put the clubs up for seven months out of the year, you know, so they get all dusty. You lose all your technique and how to hit the ball. So you forget a lot of the details, you know, that comes with golf. So, uh I try, you know, but I'm not that great at it. <laughs> now, that's your youngest daughter? Uh, no, I have a four-year-old. Zara is my seven-year-old, and I have a four-year-old as well. But she's pretty good. I mean, I've seen she's like, I don't know, she's qualifying some tournaments. I mean. She's going to be better than me. You know, she started a lot younger than I did. You know, and she actually got her first win last week, Wednesday. You know, she's been pumped up about that, you know, because she got her first win down there in Florida. You know, and she's very excited about it. Awesome. All right, let's talk about you. I knew you were coaching at UMass. I knew you were in the college ranks, but how did the whole 49ers door open? Yeah, yeah, man. <laughs> you know, it's a long story. And the reason why I say that, because it goes back to uh, 2011. I got drafted by the Washington Redskins then, you know, and uh, the head coach was Mike Shanahan and the offensive coordinator was Cal Shanahan, you know. So uh, being uh, in a position, you know, at a younger age, not only to set myself up for the future, but, you know, to show what the character that I had as a young man, show my work ethic, you know, show what I was capable of, not only, you know, as a wide receiver, but, you know, like I say, off the field as well. And playing for, you know, Kyle Shanahan four out of my five years in the NFL, you know, that's exactly what opened the door for me, you know, he and San Fran, you know, because of he knew me, you know, he knew what I stood for, you know, he knew my work at the, you know, the character, you know, that I, that I brought with me as well, you know, so uh, that journey, you know, going from uh, a finished playing in 2016 and I knew exactly, you know, what I wanted to do after I was done playing and I always had a passion for it, you know, that was coaching, you know, I always believed in uh, coaching the guys around me, getting them better, you know, teaching them about, you know, how I ran my routes, about certain coverages and things like that. And I knew exactly, you know, I was that on-the-field coach. So when I was done playing in 2016, it wasn't no-brainer. You know, I started coaching the local high school back in Miami for a few months. And then I went to UMass for about 18 months. Then I went out to uh, Nacogdoches, Texas for 20 months. Hey, you got to want it. You definitely got to have a passion for coaching if you're going to Nacogdoches. Hey, that, that, that's the thing about it, man. Coaching, like I said, it's the passion. The passion that I have to, to get the guys, the younger guys in college, and even uh, the men that I have now. To put your vision into play, you know, that vision of just being able to get those guys to technique, you know, you got to have that. And if you don't, you know, it, it's not the right thing, you know, to be doing. And, you know, so that journey of mine, 
And when I, the 20 months in uh, Nacogdoches, you know, I was there and I hadn't talked to Cal Shanahan, you know, in five years. You know, I would send him a message every now and then, but I hadn't talked to him, you know, on the phone personally, you know, in five years. And, you know, at the time, Mike McDaniels, you know, the Dolphins head coach, yeah. he was the run game coordinator here in San Fran. And then the year I got here, he had got uh, promoted to the offensive coordinator title. And I shot him a message, you know, five years later, I shot him a message, you know, and I said, congratulations. You know, his next, very next response, I thought I said, congratulations. He was like, you want a job? And I responded, hell yeah. <laughs> so uh, that's how it turned out for me, man. That's how it worked out for me, you know, because I didn't get that job by doing any interviews or uh, by going and sending my resume or anything like that. You know, I tell the guys all the time, listen, the reason why I got this job is, you know, from 2011, 2012, uh, 2013, the way I, I bust my tail, you know, on the field every day for, you know, Cal Shanahan and Mike McDaniels, character, the work ethic that I stood for, you know, and that's what led me to, you know, being able to come here and San Fran today. So what was Mike's job with the Redskins back then? Mike, you know, uh, when I first got there, he was an office assistant. My first year, office assistant. My second year, same thing, office assistant. And then my third year there, he was the wide receivers coach. You know, so he coached me being a wide receivers coach and, you know, learning all those details from him. Man, he, he He's very OCD, so he know all about the details, all about the ins and outs, every position, man, and he does his job well. You send a message to Coach McDaniel. Yeah. congratulating him he says you want a job you say hell yes what was the job the job at the time uh that was 2021 that was february of 21 and the job was assistant receivers coach at the time quality control assistant receivers coach you know at the time west worker he was the wide receivers coach so i was his assistant you know so that was the exact job you know and and uh, you know i came in and do what i always does bust my tail you know every single day in the office you know, uh, doing my work in a timely manner, getting it done, no matter what it was, I made sure to get it done the right way. And that's in er any and everything that I do. You know, you always want to be a, a step ahead of it. You know, if somebody say, can you hand me this in two days? I try to get it there the same day. And that's how I am, you know. So just being able to do that for, you know, a few months. And then immediately, you know, when Mike got the job down there in Miami and, and Wes left with him, you know, Cal, you know, uh, promoted me to being a wide receivers coach. This all makes sense, but now you can really, even though this is a Hurricanes podcast, it's in Miami. So a lot of people down here are huge fans of what Coach McDaniel's done with the Dolphins in one yeah. year. And they're super excited about this year. Obviously, he's a super savvy offensive mind, but you've seen it firsthand. Yep. Yep. Why is he so good? Why is he so smart? Why is he a oh, genius might be a stretch, but why is he so good coaching offensive ball? First of all, Mike. You know, he graduated from Yale, you know, so that, that lets you know one thing, that he is smart. That's Mike. You know, Mike gets in the office at 3.30 a.m. in the morning. You know, he's the first to get in, you know, almost the last to leave. He knows every position by heart, whether that's O-line, whether that's running back, quarterback, you know, wide receivers, tight end, you know, and then on the defense side as well. You know, Mike does a great job of studying it and coming up with a game plan throughout the week and knowing exactly you know, what stresses the defenders out, you know, and, and by him doing that, it allows him to get the edge, you know, before the defenders can even defend what we're trying to do. You know, how can we stress them out? You know, getting in the office at 3.30 a.m., you know, that's a whole lot of day, you know, <laughs> to, to work on something like that. So what time are you getting into the office, Hank? 
you know, that's a little bit early there. You know, <laughs> I, I'm usually, I'm usually, I'm usually like an hour and two hours after that. You know, I say about five thirty, five forty-five is is my time. You know, like I say, uh, a lot of credit to him because from no matter what position he has been in, you know, I, I've seen the growth from my rookie year. In Washington, you know, he had my position to one of the office assistants, you know, assistant receivers coach then, you know, and he used to take me under his wing, you know, give me all the little details that why you got to get your landmark here as a receiver, you know, and that helped me out because depth, landmarks, timing, you know, that equals yak, you know, that allows coverages to start opening up, the defenders to start dropping a little bit deeper, a little bit shorter, you know, get in and out of the picture. So him just being able to help me out then, you know, it goes a long ways, you know, and, and, that's exactly how he is, you know, as a coach. And that's, I know that's exactly how he is as a head coach as well. It also seems like from afar, I don't know, I don't know Coach McDaniel at all, but it also seems like his personality, his youth allows him to connect with his players. Correct. He's very genuine. You know, he's very caring for the guys. You know, he he's a jokester as well. You know, he's going to have a, a one-liner that, you know, it's kind of uh, nerdy a little bit, but... <laughs> He, he, he's a very uh, player-friendly coach, you know, and, and, and he connects with all the guys, you know. So uh, that's one thing about him. He does connect with the guys and, and very, like I say, uh, genuine. In a very macro sense, because obviously I don't want you to give too much away, but you've been around this game a long time, right? Yep. From St. Thomas to Miami, you played, now you're coaching in the NFL. What is it about this offense that everyone sort of gravitates to, that people talk about it? What is so unique about it, the Shanahan offense? Correct, man. It just, you know, for one, you know, having uh, George Kittle, Debo Samuel. So that helps. Kristen, Kristen McCaffrey, you know, Trey Lance, you know, Elijah Mitchell, you know, just having all of those weapons, you know, Brandon Ayuk, just having those guys just going out there equally uh, competing with one another, pushing each other in practice, you know, and just being able to spread the ball around a lot to those guys. How can you, you know, defend one guy if you have multiple? So, uh, to look at, you can't double team one. You know, because somebody else is going to hurt you. So that helps out a lot. But so McDaniel's cheating down here with Tyreek and uh, Waddle. Oh, man. It, it's, I'm sure that is fun to play with, you know, because that in this offense, you know, we ground and pounded a lot. But being able to have wide receivers that can make the big play, you know, no matter if it's taking a slant to the house or going over the top and get it, you know, it, it, it's a value. When you think of great football and baseball, you think about the you. When you get hurt in a car, truck, or motorcycle wreck, you need to think Lebovic Law Group. At Lebovic Law Group, you come first. We work to get you all the money you are entitled to. Injured? You need to call or click Lebovic. Lebovic Law Group, the exclusive sponsor of the Miami Hurricanes and proud sponsor of all things you. Go you! As a wide receiver coach in the NFL, that door opened for you almost inexplicably, right? Off of a text message. Yep. So what, as a, we've had a lot of college coaches, a lot of college players. We're not talking to an NFL coach. To be a good NFL coach in the NFL, to be a great NFL coach in the NFL, what does that require? What do you need to do in the NFL as opposed to, let's say, college? Regardless of NFL or college. You know, you always, if you're coaching anywhere, no matter what the sport is, you always want to be a, a great coach. And it, I think it takes the same, you know, as long as you give me your effort, as long as you give me your commitment, as long as you build a relationship with the player, as long as you coach them hard, as long as you tell them uh, what they're doing right, what they're doing wrong, as long as you give them that vision, you know, how to be great, how, you know, to jump the hurdle, how to, 
be the best version of themselves, then you can be a, a great coach no matter where you're at, whether, whether that's, you know, high school, college, NFL, you know, uh, little league, no matter what, you know, you give your all, you know, then you're going to get results. And the main thing is getting results and how can you get those results? You know, like I say, it all starts with, you know, having that trust from the player himself as he, he can trust in you. Then you build that relationship, being able to influence guys, you know, and then uh, it, it goes from there. So you mentioned getting in the coaching right after playing. You knew exactly what there was no question you were going to be a coach. Exactly. There was no question because, you know, like I said earlier, you know, uh, no matter if I was high school or college, you know, or even in NFL, you know, I was always a player, you know, who can coach up the players around. And, and guys on, on my team would ask me questions, you know, in practice, you know, why did you run that route this way? Why do you did that release that way? But what did you think about, you know, that coverage? And I was always able to answer it. You know, sometimes it got me in trouble because I always want to speak for the quarterback or. This is what, like at UM? Is this at UM or in the NFL? No, at UM or even in the league as well, you know, because I see it before it happens. Before the quarterback finished the play, come out of the huddle, I always try to lead a huddle early, you know, before he even finished the play. I'm leaving a huddle because I already know what's coming, you know. So me as a player, that's how I was. You know, I know it in and out. I, I play every position, you know, every receiver position on the field. You know, so I knew automatically, like, uh, when I was done playing, that coaching was going to be, you know, my calling because I love, you know, being able to help Dallas out and give them, you know, something to work at. And then just being able to see it is very fulfilling. Just being able to, when I tell you, hey, yeah, run that route like that, run that release like that. It's fulfilling for me because, you know, I'm not doing it anymore. So just to have that fulfillment, you know, it's awesome. You know, it's an awesome feeling. So Jacory would tell you to pipe down. Yeah, exactly. It could have been one Saturday. We had like a seven-on-seven, seven, you know, deal down there in Miami. And uh, me and Ja'Cory got into it, you know, because I, I think I was like telling him he was calling something wrong, you know, in a huddle, you know. And, and, <laughs> and yeah, we, we, we got into it, man, because, you know, I'm like, man, I'm right. You know, of course, Ja'Cory, he's the quarterback. You know, it's coming from him, you know. But uh, it was some good days, man. It was some good, some great days down there in Miami, man, just being able to, you know, to push one another just to be great, you know. Now, do I have this right? Uh, this is Wikipedia, so you can correct me if I'm wrong. Because I know you're a Broward County guy, right? I am. Oh, yeah. So when you first got in the coaching, you were coaching, because I'm a down south aid guy. You were coaching at Palmer Trinity down south? Is that correct? That is correct. You know, I live down in Miami now. I live about 15 minutes away from uh, UM in Palmetto Bay, you know. So oh, so you're right down the road. I'm, I'm right down the road, you know, and, and Palmer Trinity is 10 minutes away from my house. But that's exactly why. So how'd that happen? I mean, what, you just go walk in and say, I want to coach? No, that happened because uh, Mark Reese, when I was a freshman, sophomore at Miami, Mark Reese was a graduate assistant at Miami. And Coach Reese, you know, we kept in contact. You know, he's like one of my goodest friends now. Coach Reese used to ride me, you know, when I was there, you know, on the practice field at UM, you know, a freshman, you know, he's a GA, he used to ride me like hard. You know, all the time. But, you know, I, I took it as a challenge as well. You know, and still to this day, we have a, a great relationship to where, you know, when I was done playing, you know, I used, I used to always talk to him. You know, I hit him up as well, you know, coaching. He was like, why don't you come down here and help me out, you know, at the school? And that's exactly what I did. You know, it was right down the street from my house. You know, so why not go out there? I was still working. I was still training, thinking that, you know, I was going to get another opportunity to play. You know, and in the meantime, I was at, at 2.45 in the afternoon every day, you know, going over to Palmer training, coaching up those wide receivers over there. What's he, the head coach? He's the head coach, and he still is the head coach. That was in, he, he had been there, you know, some years before I got there, and he still is the head coach over there at uh, Palmer Trinity. 
They got a nice facility. No, they do. You know, and it's in a nice area as well. It is in a very nice area. So I, I think your story is about relationships because I'm assuming that your next move to UMass had everything to do with Mark Whipple or Correct. Spencer Whipple or both. Correct. You know, and I'm big on relationships. You know, like I said, you know, that, that that's my story. You know, that that's me. You know, that's exactly how I am as a, as a coach as well. I'm big in the relationships with my guys. You know, as long as they know you love them. You know, as long as you tell them they love them. Me and my guys, we, we, I tell them that all the time. We pray together. You know, we get out there. And, and if you have that relationship, you know, with a player, you know, then when you get on them, you know, and you tell them, you know, the hard truth, then he knows it's coming from a good place. You know, because when you don't have that relationship with a player and all you do is think about football every single day, football is what we do. I tell my guys all the time. Football is what you do and what you play is what I used to do, but I, I coach it now, you know, and we're going to do it every single day. And it's our job, you know, to be better at it, to get good at it and to be developed, you know, so every single day, it's not going to be about football 100%. You know, we got to make sure, you know, there's a whole nother thousands of hours outside of, you know, the football field, you know, outside of the meeting rooms that you have to deal with. So you got to make sure, you know, that the young men of college, you know, and the men, you know, in the league that they ain't got other stuff that they're dealing with because that is more important, you know, and then, you know, going out there and trying to smash helmets, you know, with one another because if they're not, you know, up to speed or safe or, you know, living a good lifestyle, you know, off the field, then on the field, it's not going to translate, you know. So, like I say, the relationship, man, goes a long way with me. You know, Mark Whipple, when I was done playing, that was the first person I reached out to, you know, because we did. We still do have a great relationship. You know, and I reached out to him and told him, Coach, I'm looking to get into coaching. You know, he was like, Hank, I don't have anything right now, but as soon as I do, you know, I'll let you know. And sure enough, he did. And that's exactly how I ended up at UMass. You know, and then and Spencer, Spencer himself. Spencer's been in Arizona the last three years, you know, and I we play him two times a year, you know, so <laughs> I see him, you know, all the time. Uh, those are my guys, man. So what you – obviously, I'm sure when you took the job at UMass, being on the field with the guys, that was easy, Right. But what you learn about actually coaching, right? That's the totality of the job that went beyond being on the field with your guys. Oh, yeah, man. Like I say, man, being at UMass and not even UMass, Stephen F. Austin itself, you know, those two It was schools, UMass first, right? UMass and Stephen F. Yep, UMass then Stephen F. Austin. You know, being at two schools that doesn't have uh, many resources like other bigger schools, you know, it's all about then, guess what? You know, how can I get my player to come and go to class every single day? You know, how can I get him to go out there and run through a brick wall for you? Because that's exactly what he's doing. You know, now, like I say, that relationship you have with him. You know, how can I go out there and no matter what equipment we don't have, how can we still get the best out of one another out there on the field? You know, and that's what it was about. Learning how to be a coach, learning at that time. You know, again, I started off being a graduate assistant for three to four months. And then I jumped right into the wide receivers role, you know. So at that time, it was learning how to – me, I'm not very – I'm not a guy who's – that speaks, you know, in front of a whole auditorium. That's not that's, – that's, that usually back in the day, that wasn't me at all, you know. So at the time, you know, just being able to get in the room with a, a different coach. That time, it was Spencer Whipple at the time. You were helping him? I was helping him, you know, those first three, four months, you know. And then uh, after that first initial season, then I became a receivers coach. He moved on to quarterbacks. You know, and then I became a receivers coach. But just uh, getting into, you know, a receiver room in the room with a different coach and seeing how, you know, the, the projected voice when they in, in front of the room, how they coach guys, you know, how they on the board, you know, in, in different manners, you know, that helped me out my first few years because, 
yeah, I, 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 I sat down in those seats right. for a year, but I didn't necessarily pay attention to that. You know, I paid attention to the message that was giving me, like, you know, the plays and the details of that versus paying attention to, you know, how coaches actually operating, you know, that, that, that room. How about just watching film, breaking it down, cutting it up? Yep, correct. So I, I learned a lot about that, how to run a room. And then the next thing, like I say, the film itself, you know, I, I knew a lot about, you know, wide receiver play. I knew a lot about, you know, how to get open. But then it comes how to prepare for teams, you know, how to break down a team's film, how to how to watch like the coverages and things like that in order, you know, to see what guys are doing in uh, their last two or three games versus what they did early in the season. So it, it's different aspects, you know, of it. I do a lot different now, you know, than I did back then. But you still have that stuff in your memory bank, you know, to where it allows you to get that advantage. Like I say, uh, that's exactly how. You know, the reason why Mike McDan is getting off is at, you know, 3.30 in the morning because you want to get that visual for the teams. You want to know why they're doing this. If they do something differently, what can it be? You know, so just learning that stuff, it helped me out a lot. You know, and I'm still learning. You know, you still learn, you know, because Cal Shanahan, guess what? He got 21 years of coaching, you know, and he gives out, you know, a lot, you know, that allowed me, you know, to be able to soak it in, take it in, and still coach my players. I'd imagine you got a little more access to information where you are now, buddy. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and you got people working for you, right? Oh, I mean, you know what, man? I, even though I do, you know, I'm always a guy very hands-on and I like to get my own work done, you know, so I, I never really dish out a ton of work. You know, I'd rather get it done that way I know it's getting done. That way I can do it exactly, you know, how I want to, you know, want to do it. Now, if I need help with something, of course, but for the 95% of the time, you know, I get it done. Change the trajectory of your career or find your new passion. Both are possible at the University of Miami's Division of Continuing and International Education. The division offers over 50 courses with online and hybrid options for on-the-go professionals and busy parents. Visit miami.edu slash DCIE to learn more or call our enrollment advisors at 305-284-4000 to discover which course is right for you. Your wide receiver coach at Miami was Aubrey Hill? It was, yep. All four years? Uh, three. And then my uh, freshman year, I keep wanting to say my rookie year, but my freshman year it was uh, Marquise Mosley. Okay. So Aubrey, God rest his soul, he was a beautiful yep. human being. Oh, he um, was, man. Very, very. Do you look back at him or look back at him now as your coach and take from him now that you are him? Of course, you know, of course, because I learned a lot from Coach Hill. Every, even though one thing I enjoyed, you know, working with him, especially, you know, when I was a coach, my early years of coaching, which was just a couple years ago, you know, me and Coach Hill, every year we met up together uh, at the coaches convention. You know, we would sit down and share ideas, you know, and, and that speaks a lot of values about, about him, you know, the person he was. Look, I, yeah, of course, I played a position in the NFL a few years. And then, you know, I started coaching my first year or two at UMass. He had been coaching already for 25 or 30 years, you know, but he's still trying to grow and asking me stuff, asking me questions. I'm trying to grow, you know, by asking him questions. And it was always great conversation that me and him had. I always had a great relationship with him. You know, like I said, he taught me a lot, coached me hard. You know, I truly miss him. I miss him, too. He was a great human being. Phenomenal. Phenomenal uh, human being. So you are a Kane, Mr. Hankerson. Did you grow up a Kane fan? You know what? 
The answer is no. With, I can already tell with, the answer is no. You, I, I'm going to tell you this right now. Uh, I was uh, 1998, right? Uh, that was the year, I think, Florida State and Oklahoma played in the national championship game. 2000, 2000. That was Florida State and Oklahoma? The year we should have gone. Okay. So that year, I was a Florida State fan. But guess what? The very next year or two, I was. Yeah, I bet. I switched immediately to Miami. You know, that, that year that Miami lost to Ohio State. Yes, sir. I, I was Miami fan. And ever since then, I had, you know, become. And the only school I wanted to attend was Miami from that moment. So did you commit? Who'd you commit to? Coker or Shannon? I committed to Shannon. I, Coker had already. I did go on like an unofficial visit with Coker, you know, but after that season, that was the 06 season, you know, they had let go of uh, Coker and then uh, Shannon got a job. So I committed to Shannon. So that program obviously was in transition, but did that not matter to you? You do still that's that, what... that didn't matter to me, man. I like I say from that two thousand one game versus Ohio State, you know, uh, until twenty eleven, you know, Canes, Canes all day, and even still to this day, you know, I'm Kane through and through, man, and I bleed it, you know, I bleed it orange and green, you know, those are my guys, man. And, and you got, like, any, you like, got any guys in your locker room? Feliciano is the only one, you know. He's we, with you. We, we just signed John. Uh, this all season. Yep. We just signed him. So he's the only one right now. I gotcha. Yeah. So just we'll back this up right before UM. How'd you get to St. Thomas? I got to St. Thomas because of my best buddy, my best friend, Martavius. Uh, we played hoops together from, I think, about eight, nine years old, you know, 10, 11, 12, summer, every travel basketball, you know, every summer. You were a hooper. Yep, I was a hooper. I played football as well. I started playing football when I was six, you know, and I didn't start playing basketball until I was 11, you know. So me and Martavis, we used to travel basketball every summer. You know, we played on the same uh, travel AAU basketball team. The summer after my freshman year, because I went to Diller my freshman year of high school, I went to Diller for That's a breeding ground, that area, Hank. That's a breeding ground. Correct, correct. It is, you know, so I, I went to Dilla, which is Dilla is only about, you know, a few miles away from, you know, yeah. St. Thomas. That's where I went to school at. And then, but every, in that summer, you know, I would always go over to St. Thomas because my best bud, he was, he was going to school there. So after my freshman year, I would go over there, work out with him. We playing hoops together. You know, we go out, go to the weight room and things like that. And all of a sudden, you know, I was working out and, and uh, he asked me if I wanted to come over here. You know, and then I started, you know what, I think this would probably, you know, be a better opportunity for me because at the time at Dillard, you know, I didn't really have my head on. I didn't have my head screwed on the right way. You know, so uh, I originally, you know, I talked to Coach Smith, you know, after deciding, yeah, that would be the best thing for myself. You know, I went and talked to George Smith, you know, and looked the man in the man in the eyes and told him, you know, I would do the right thing over there. And then that's how, that's, that's how I became, you know, a Raider. I got in, you know. I, you are you are part of a massive legacy at, at yep, that school. Yep, yep, yep. So, Coach Smith, thank, thanks thanks to Coach Smith, man, because if that hadn't happened for me, man, I probably wouldn't be on this this call here today, man, because that was a big change for me. That was much needed, you know, like I say. So, my, what changed? What changed for you? You know what? Um, I, didn't, I don't think it necessarily anything changed for me, you know, but I guess I matured more. You know, I guess I just started doing the right thing as far as. Now, let me ask you this, because I've been around high school football. Did you change on your own or did people at the school help change you? No, you I mean, first of all, you always if something happens, you you have to be the one to change first, you know, and then everybody else can put their hands on you. 
you know, but at, at Dillard, you know, um, I think I was just, I was getting to school late, you know, a bunch of times. I wasn't really turning my work in, you know, a lot. So uh, just, no, and so it was going downhill for me quickly, you know. So when I did transfer over to St. Thomas, you know, I had to get on top of that because if I wanted to, first of all, I wasn't eligible to play uh, football that season, my sophomore year. You didn't play? I didn't play my sophomore year. And they took you anyways. Yeah, they did. They did, you know, and uh, that's what I'm saying. I wasn't able to play, so I knew right away if I want to get on the right track, I got to pick it up in the classroom first, you know, in which I did. And not only by myself, you know, yes, it starts with me, but, you know, I was able to, you know, stay after school before practice, get my work done in a tutor session. Then in the classroom, you know, I was taking care of my business. And, you know, that's what that's what happened. I was able to get the grades, which then I was able to play basketball the second half of the basketball season. That came, and then that was all she wrote from there, man. Once I did that, it was no turning back, you know, at that point. George Smith is a pioneer. Oh, he is. An absolute pioneer legend in this yep. sport, in this in this area. Uh, what did he mean to you? Oh, he means a lot, man, because without the opportunity to sit in his office and tell him, look him in the eyes and tell him that, you know, I would do the right thing, you know, without being able to have that conversation with him, then, like I say, man, I – I probably wouldn't be here right now today because, you know, that mean that that meant a lot to me. Just being able to, you know, say yes. This this is a kid who doesn't have the grace to play this year, but coach, if you trust me, I'll make sure I do the right thing to where, you know, I can, you know, help this program out. And from day one, coach always had my back, you know, whether that's in the classroom, you know, uh, out on on the field, you know, he always wanted to do the right thing, you know, by me. You know, he looked out for me. You know, and, and I respect him a lot for what he did back then for me, you know, and, and it's still to this day. You know, I can I can reach out to him, call him, and he, hey, how you doing, buddy? You know, so, <laughs> no, he means a lot. So you were the class before the class at Miami, right? The the, the 2008 class. So you sort of had that orange and green in your blood. You just said it. But still, what did, what did Coach Shannon say to you that still made you feel like, hey, I want to be a part of whatever he's going to do? Yeah, you know what? I believe, you know, in every word Coach said, you know, Miami – you know, had always been, you know, the you. Everybody, you know, wants to be, put that orange green on, wants to put that you on the side of their head. And the thing, I believe in his message, you know, it's a process. You know, everything is a process, and it's going to take some time, you know, for us to get back on the right track. Coach ain't really, you know, come and fill my head up with, you know, much of anything, but just, you know, him coming in, speaking the truth to me, telling me we're going to get it right on track. You know, we're going to do the right thing. You know, we're going to go out there and compete. We're going to work and we're going to do what's right. That's all that matters to me. You know, how can we go out there and compete, you know, and, and, and work on, on the same common grounds, you know, and that's what we did. You know, the message that he had, clearly it did something to me because, you know, I think the same day he left my house, that same very night I committed, you know, so uh, I wouldn't change it for, you know, anything. You know, like I say, coach, coach himself, man, he, he, he meant the word to me as well. You know, I remember the, the, the day he got fired after that, that South Florida game, you know, that was my senior year. You know, I had just broken Michael Irvin's record. I just had set the yardage in the season, 11.56 at the time. And then I had the 70 Jeremy Shockey record, you know, with the, with the catches, you know, and, and I text him immediately like, coach, man, I feel like I let you down, you know, because I never want to see a coach get fired, you know, and at that time, you know, I'm, I'm, on, I'm on my way out. You know, it's not like I was standing there and I'm sending him that message because the impact that he had on me, you know. So, uh, uh, Coach, I, I still respect him to this day. You know, he still means a lot to me. And I wish we could have one more game for him, you know, because I, I feel he, he, he should still have been there, 
You know, he's the right man for the job. Coach is Orange Green himself as well. You know, he's from Miami. You know, went to school there. You know, he's missed Miami <laughs> as well, you know. So, like I say, man, it, it was it was some good times there. And Coach did a great job also. You mentioned Michael. I think you just mentioned Michael Irvin's name. I'm sure you've crossed paths with him. But have you did you cross paths with him when you were younger? St. Thomas, Hurricanes. Mike and my dad played hoops together. So Mike always, he, he knew my dad. He, I used to, he, he came back to St. Thomas a couple of times, you know, so I talked to him there and he always used to tell me how, how bad of a man my dad was on the basketball court, you know, so I, I saw him a few times there and saw him a few times, you know, at the youth. So, uh, no, Mike, Mike is my guy as well, you know. I got you. So let me ask, so th those guys come in in 08. Now you're a Broward County guy. They're a Dade County guy. Yep. How'd that go? You know what? It doesn't matter where you're from. You know, once you put that orange green on, that's the only thing that matters. We all wanted to win. You know, so let me, those all the matches. They had a lot of hype behind them. So, were oh, you excited? like as a player who was already in the locker room, were you excited? Like, how did you receive them, and how were they received? With me, you know, as, as any competitor, you know, let's get out there and compete. It didn't really matter to me because you know it was it was my sophomore year. I was you know I got off to a rocky start, you know, early on. So, but at the end of the day, you know, when 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 you're a competitor and it's just like the NFL, you always trying to get replaced. And it's just, you, you got to have that same feeling, that same mindset, you know, at the college level, you know, so every day has to be that interview to where you're going to go out there and put on your best, put your best foot forward every single day. So that's how I felt no matter who's, you know, was being brought in, you know, I got to go out here and compete, you know, because that's the only way you're going to get ahead. That's the only way you're going to stay ahead is competing and, and, and not shying away or backing down, you know, or, or I guess what you, transfer portal back then it wasn't yeah it didn't really exist you know so no but no all of those guys streeter you know kendall you know Darius, leron you know all of those guys you know we all worked together you know as i got older you know as i established myself you know being a vet in the room you know same thing same mindset i didn't i didn't look as if you know those guys was coming you know to take my job you know i looked as if how can we all you know be the best at our craft you know, Travis Benjamin, you know, how can we all go out there and, and, and compete and do it together? Because if we do it together, you know, it's going to be hard for other teams. That's the same thing what I started with when I spoke about having uh, Debo and Ayuk and, and and George, Christian, you know, Elijah. You know, it was hard to double me, you know, because guess what? T3 was going to take you over the top with LaRon Bird or Darius Johnson, you know, DJ Johnson, you know, Kendall Tompkins. You know, having all these guys just to come out there and, and, and compete in practice, and it was it was all we all had a unique difference to ourselves. And one thing about it, man, it was a competitive environment, and we wanted success for one another. Yeah, but you probably wanted to take a little bit of Benjamin Speed. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. You know, it, that's one thing you cannot coach the speed. <laughs> you know, so having that rabbit. That's what that's what it, rabbit. <laughs> I was around the program, not to the level I am today, around that time. And I've gotten to know Ja'Cory since. And I always felt like when I was around that he was a really good person. Yeah. And I also thought he wasn't always treated fairly. And I don't know if you agree or disagree with that. You know what? I I, I don't really I don't really know. You know, I, I can't really uh, speak on that because I, I'm not 100% sure. You know, I tell you uh, what. So let me ask this. How was he... He's the leader of the group. He's yeah. the, you viewed him how? I, I viewed him as, as team captain. You know, Ja'Cory, when he came in from day one, 
uh, Jacory came in and showed right away that he can play. You know, and and that's exactly what he did. You know, he he, he threw some touchdowns as a freshman, and then as a sophomore, it was his job uh, rotating with Robert. You know, and then once he became, you know, that sophomore and a junior, you know, he, he was the captain of the team. You know, and and when Jacory was healthy and playing well, you know, you could you saw what type of team we we was capable of being. At one point, we was top ten you know, in, in the country. And he was our captain, man. He was he was our that we was gonna stand behind, that was brought there and Jacory can throw, he could spin it, throw it deep, throw it short. That thing had a tight spire on it. And he he did a lot of great things, you know, for the program, you know, and I respect him a lot, you know, because he worked his tail off. You know, he worked his tail off and and you know, uh he did, you know, what what he could. Two thousand nine, man, that did you kind of think off of that season in two thousand ten I imagine you thought the 2010 season was going to go a little different. I thought that was the year. You know, I thought that was. So I think Sean Spence thought the same thing. Yeah. He's been on here, too. Yeah. Corey, too, actually. They've all been on here. I thought that was the year because, man, that was, like I say, 2009 was the year that we were top 10. That was my junior year. We ended up finishing 9-4. and four. The season didn't end, you know, how we wanted it to. You know, we lost that one to Clemson at home. We shouldn't have. We lost to Florida State. That's overtime, right? That was overtime. We lost. C.J. Spiller ran a kickoff back right before halftime. You know. Oh, that breaks my heart still. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Uh, but that year was a year. I think we ended up losing. We lost to Ohio State, Clemson, Florida State, and Wisconsin that year. You know, and um, that year was a huge year for it. It was like a momentum swing after we lost, you know, a few games there because – we were trending in the right direction. Which one of those losses still, like, is the most frustrating? I can't remember exactly the losses, but that Clemson one hurt us big time, you know, at home in overtime because we had them. We had them on the ropes, you yep. know, and, and we should have. We should have won it, you know, and then it was one other. We should have won that Wisconsin game also with that up there in Orlando. That was a turf was bad. Cooper busted turf. his knee. Cooper busted his knee out. We lost by seven, six, seven points, I think it was. Yeah, JJ Watt destroyed us, you know. So uh, uh, it was. You're cross paths with him in the NFL. Uh, uh, only only playing against him the last two years here, you know. Uh, but that's about oh, right because he was in Arizona. Yeah. He was in Arizona, but that was, that was about it. He's a heck of a player, man. Heck of a player. Who are some of the guys on the teams you played with that maybe deserve a little more credit? Marcus Forston. He he was one for sure. Marcus, man, he was he was a wreck. You know, as far as, you know, he can tear up, you know, some stuff. That guy was one of the, the best, you know, if not, you know, close to being the best D lineman, you know, on, on the team. You know, him and Allen Bailey, you know, those guys were, were darn good players. Dude, have you ever seen anybody that looks like Allen Bailey? Oh, he, he's a he's a freak, you know. He's a freak. You know, Damian Berry, he's another one, man. Damian, you know, that man ran the ball so hard. Oh, you know, hard, hard, hard. You know, he ran the ball hard, man. And I always thought he didn't get enough credit for what, you know, he had did, you know, throughout his time there. First starting out, you know, on the defensive side of the ball and then making that switch to running back. And when he did, man, he he was a train coming out of that backfield. He did a darn good job doing so. You know, my man Pat Hill, and you know, the fullbacks never get enough. Boop, boop, boop. You guys like the fullback in yeah, San Fran. we like the fullbacks in San Fran. You know, he, he, he for sure, him. My memory isn't that great, but there's a lot of players on that team that showed up. In 2010, what happened the next year? 2010, that year, we got held back by a lot, a lot of, I guess, a lot of the noise, for one. Then, I guess, 
everybody got had that sense of entitlement, you know, kind of figured, oh, you know, we just going to show up and win. That's what it was. There was a lot of guys complaining about crap, you know, which, I mean, that's, that's college kids. You know, that's how it's going to be, you know. And then at the end of the day, we got plagued by, you know, I think we had some injuries, you know, a Joe Mo that year, you know, one of the best D-line that that year he had the jaw broken. Then on the field, we had penalties, a lot of, lot of penalties on the field that, that killed us, you know. But it was really, like I say, that entitlement, you know, that crushed us. That crushed us big time because, you know, you come off a year, nine and four, people get the big head and thinking, oh, like I say, we just get off the bus and win. And when everybody played to you, guess what? Everybody was going to bring their A game, you know, no matter who it was, North Carolina Dukes, you know, uh, Vatek, you know, South Florida, you know, no matter who it was, everybody's going to bring their A game because they want to prove something, you know, Florida State, they want to prove, you know, that they either deserve to be the best school in Florida, you know, or they still want to go out there and kick your tail because that's their Super Bowl also, you know, so – uh, that right, that crushed us big time. I can remember that year we played in El Paso. And we were still practicing at the time. We had like full pads on. Remember, the, most of the coaches at this point was already fired, already gone. You know, and Al Golden was hired already when we were down in El Paso. And at that time, you know, we out there practicing. And it's my senior year, you know, and, and that, that's my last game at Miami. Coming out of the locker room one one practice in El Paso, you know, we got on full pads and all I heard was guys complaining about we shouldn't be wearing full pads, we should be doing walkthroughs, we should be, you know, doing this. I immediately I snapped, like I I lost it, you know, because you know, here we are, we're in El Paso. We only we the ones that paved our way, you know, we the ones that's on that field every single day. We the ones that, you know, went out there and lost six games that year. You know, we got guys complaining about, you know, shoulder pads, cool pads, or full practice. And I'm like, no, man, this, this, it's our job to go out there and, and get a W. You know, we're trying to win still. This is my last game, regardless of if it wasn't, you know, I'm still trying to win. You know, everybody, let's just go out there and, and, and practice as hard as we can and, and, and be the men that we're supposed to be, you know, and do our jobs. So I remember that, that just what, that was the mentality of the team that year. You know, that's exactly why it crushed us that year up until, you know, that point. Join us at Gulfstream Park this spring with live action Thursday through Sunday. Enjoy entertainment outdoors at the Carousel Club or feast in 10 Palms. Not hungry? Visit our many on-site shopping locations from fashion stores to home furnishings. For schedules, reservations, and tickets, visit gulfstreampark.com. Your senior year was a, for you individually was a breakout year. And I think you just kind of touched on this very, very quickly. You said, hey, you struggled a little bit your freshman year adjusting. How did your career change? What changed either for you on or off the field that allowed you to grow and leave on on that high note, breaking all those records? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, as I look back on it, man, it, it was it was some good times, man. It was I really enjoyed my time there, you know, at Miami because it was you I had to grow, you know, from you know, my freshman year, you know, I started like two games that year, you know, and, and I think one was versus FIU. The other one could have been, I don't know, maybe Marshall or something, you know, that year. And I had one touchdown that year, you know, so just coming out of high school and thinking that, you know, I'm going to come in and, and, and dominate college football. 
I was in for a rude awakening because it didn't go as planned, you know. So, and I think I had an injury or so. You know, what what changed for me is that, you know, I got that vision, what I wanted to do, you know, what type of player that I wanted to be because, you know, it was all about, you know, being consistent. Like I say, early on in my freshman and sophomore year, I wasn't as consistent as I knew I could be, you know, and so I took it in my own hands and made sure, you know, I need to do what, you know, I can do. That way I can be the best, you know, player I can be, you know, and I went, once I got this vision of uh, being in the record book, you know, at Miami, I wrote down some goals of mine that I had, you know, me and my buddy, Jack Doucette, which a couple of my uncles had worked for Jack and uh, knocked down, you know, in-home, you know, pretty much in-home construction type of stuff, uh, knocked down on the walls, removing popcorn, removing stuff like that. My uncles had worked for Jack. Jack was a good friend of Mark Duples, you know, at the time. So after my uh, sophomore year, you know, uh, I ended up working out with Jack and Mark Duper. And at this point, like I say, I got these, I got this vision. I looked in uh, the media guy and I got all the records out of the media guy and I put them, you know, on a little sticky note. I put them on my phone on the wall and I was like, man, in order for me to accomplish this, you know, I need to do this. And that was going into my junior year. And and that's exactly what I did for, you know, two, three years straight there because I wanted to be the best. You know, I wanted to be the best receiver in the room. I wanted to be the best, you know, uh, uh, receiver on the field, you know, going against other teams. I wanted a team to have the game plan for myself. You know, so when I did that, you know, my career, college career kind of took off a little bit. So I ended up going, you know, from having like 100 yards as a sophomore to having, I think, 800 yards as a uh, junior. And then I had 1156, you know, as a senior. You know that number, that number, you know that number that hasn't escaped. You've said yeah. it twice now. <laughs> no, that, that is the number. That, that's the exact number it was because I think Eddie Brown, Eddie Brown, I think, had it, you know, uh, the previous record, uh, the yardage in the season for Miami. You know, at the time, man, my senior year, I broke it with 11.56, you know, yardage that year. And then the, the catches, uh, I had 72 catches. I think the previous hell was like 67 by Jeremy Shockey. And then the touchdowns, it was 12 by Michael Irvin, I think. 11 to 12 by Michael Irvin. I ended up with 13. And that's, you know, the reward. You know, like I say, it didn't matter if it was uh, a holiday, if I had on jeans, if I had my, you know, three-year-old son with me, four-year-old son with me at the time. You know, I was going to make sure I put in the work. You know, and that's exactly what I did. You know, and that's exactly how. You know, I ended up getting drafted in the third round. I didn't, I didn't, man, I, I look, look, look how that turned around for me. I go from switching schools, going to St. Thomas, not being able to play my sophomore year because of grades, you know, getting it, uh, a scholarship at the University of Miami, uh, being inconsistent as a freshman, sophomore from, I think I had like 70 yards as a freshman, then I got 100 yards, then 800 to 1156. And then getting drafted and playing, you know, almost six years in the NFL, man. And I mean, it's like no other, man. It, it, now it's not, it's not 10 or 15 years, but you know, I, I enjoy every moment. I learned a lot and just going through that journey itself, man, it, 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 it got me to doing, you know, what I am doing now. So do I understand this right coach that someone outside of football changed your perspective on football? If this Jack Doucette, this guy, who, who, so who helped you establish that vision? I wouldn't necessarily, I wouldn't, I wouldn't necessarily say uh, he changed my perspective on it, but I, I will say that. Uh, so the, uh, who, who helped you, who helped you create that vision of what you wanted to do? No, I created that myself because okay. like I said, I wanted to be the best. I wanted, you know, I was tired of being, you know, not being that true number one receiver or that go-to receiver, you know, or, you know, not getting the rock every single play 
you know, Jack just helped me, you know, with the goals that I had, helped me align them and helped me, you know, work towards those goals by picking me up, taking me uh, to a field outside of uh, Green Tree, you know, whether that was at his house or whether that was, you know, down the street from uh, UM, no matter where it was, whether it was even at Green Tree, you know, him and Mark Duper, you know, they just helped me pretty much, you know, reach those goals by, you know, putting in that work with me and 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 paving that way for myself. I read that you had uh, you'd interviewed with Coach Cristobal. Obviously, there was a wide receiver position open. Would you commit to Mario Cristobal as a player? As a player, for sure, I would commit to him, you know, because I like that fireness. You know, I like that mentality, you know, uh, that he have, you know, as a coach. I love that coach, you know, jump down the guys on the sideline. I love that, you know, because uh, one thing that stands out to me, you know, the reason why I told coach this before, you know, that was a video. Uh, when he was at Oregon, there was a receiver, I think, spun the ball after he got a catch. Yep. Coach, coach threw his headset. He ripped them apart. You know, that's what Miami needs. Miami needs that, you know, because, like I just said, what hurt us my senior year, uh, that sense of entitlement, you know, Miami needs that that coach that's going to come in that's going to love him up, you know, and coach is going to do that because, you know, he believes on the green as well, but he's also, you know, going to get on him and let him know, you know, at the end of the day, you know, coach, I, I can't wait to see him turn it around because I know he will. You know, I know he's going to do, you know, the right way. He's going to build the guys up. He's going to uh, implement his culture the right way. You know, he's going to get a lot of the guys around him, you know, that's going to do it the right way, you know, and they're going to win. All right, Coach Hankerson, appreciate you doing this, man. It's been great. Thank you for taking the time before camp. No problem, man. Thanks for having me. All right. Have a good night. All right. Keep your girl on her golf game. No, definitely. I got to, man. That's important. That is important. I got to keep it going, man. Maybe she can get the UM, you know. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. Have a great season. Thank you for doing this.